Good morning, everyone. Believe it or not, this, um, this, this past week, uh, as soon as June 1st hit, uh, became really, uh, it, it's, it's been an emotional roller coaster for me these past few weeks, to say the least, but, but this, this past week, as soon as June 1st hit, uh, it became a little bit emotional for me because it represented uh, just one full year of, of us being with Antioch thus far. Uh, so this, this Sunday today would be one full year that I've been preaching at Antioch. And I'm sorry I didn't take a picture because when we first moved into the house back there, if, if you guys didn't know, I, I live right in the back, just, just across yonder, uh, the, car, the, par, the parking lot. Uh, but when we first moved in, uh, all of the individuals who helped us move in, they, they did this thing where... They, they staged and they set up little notes, little sticky notes just all over the place. So we would, find, we would find little notes here and there. And I'm sorry I didn't take a picture of this one particular note. There was one note that said, uh, you know, hope you make it because the last family that stayed here didn't last a full year. Uh, <laughs> and, and I guess that was in reference to JP and Megan having been in that same house for just a few months, and then they, they got a place of their own and they moved out. But uh, it was creepy, but it was funny all, all at the same time. So I'm, I'm, I'm really thankful for a number of reasons. I'm thankful that God had blessed us to make 365 days preaching here at Antioch. If we do leave, we, we are, we've at least missed the mark, all right? So... So, so that's good. But I really want to take the opportunity on behalf of, of my family uh, to really say thank you to the Antioch Church for just the way that you have welcomed us. It's, it's been a journey. It, it, it's only been a year, but it feels like a whole lot more. It's been a journey of us trying to get to know you guys and you guys trying to get to know us. And this accent has been thick, but your, 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 you know, the Holy Spirit has moved in your ears and, and, and it just, it, it's been translating. Jose and, and Elena hasn't been the only individuals translating a different language. The Holy Spirit has been doing it week after week after week. And I'm just so glad, uh, I must say, we are happy to be here with you guys. And I pray, hope, and trust that God continues to bless this ministry in a wonderful, wonderful way. Before we get directly into our message, and I really do intend to get directly into the message, let me just make a quick plug just one more time. If, if you were here on this past Wednesday for the first installment of our wonderful Wednesday series, let me let, just show by a raise of hands. All right, all right. Uh, if, if you intend to be here this coming Wednesday for the second installment of our wonderful Wednesday series, just go ahead and raise your hand. Let me, let me see, let me see. All right, all right, because I, I really just needed to get a head count to know if we needed to move uh, our service from downstairs to upstairs, because last week, I'll tell you, last week we were packed. Uh, if, if you saw any of the, the pictures that we posted on Facebook, there was literally only like about, uh, this is not the preacher count, by the way, but there were only about six to eight chairs to the, to the dead front of the, worship, of the worship hall that was empty. Every other seat was filled. Uh, and anybody that came in afterward that didn't want to walk all the way to the front because they were late, we, we don't judge late folks. We, we, we don't do that here at Antioch, all right? So I just want to let you know if you come late, feel free to walk to the front. That's fine. That's, that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. 
but I, I, I'll, let you, I'll let you know it's, it's going to be packed, and I hope it's packed. I, I hope you come prepared to, to sing and to praise God together. We'll do it in English and Spanish. I, 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 I hope that you come prepared to, to pray together, because that's what we did this past Wednesday. And of course, I hope you come prepared to hear a strong word from God, a transformative word. It's, it's not just come and put your butt in the pews, but it's come and allow God's word to, to transform us and to renew us and to fill us uh, for whatever he has in store for us ahead. And so I want to encourage us, if, if you haven't made up your mind just as yet to be here this Wednesday, I want to encourage you to come out and be a part of that and choose to be there from here on out every single Wednesday uh, as we engage in this Let's Go Deeper, Wonderful Wednesday Summer Series. As I beg your attention into this text, this text is such a familiar text to us, and, and even though it's such a familiar text to us, I, I usually say uh, Psalm 23, and, and Lance and I had a, a, a little chuckle this morning because he was like, he never heard of that, you know, I'm, I'm all about the 23rd Psalm. Again, the Holy Spirit is, is an image just translating stuff here and there. Uh, so, so, as we think about this psalm, psalm, there are some things I wanted to at least highlight or revisit concerning this particular praise of the man of God, the man after God's own heart, David. But before we do that, allow me to just share some thoughts as we think about sheep and the way people have illustrated and spoken about sheep in, in years gone by. I, I grew up and many individuals would, would often say and conclude that sheep are in fact the dumbest animals that God had ever created. And while people might have their reasons for saying such, I, I really want to point to the fact that that particular understanding or description of sheep is limited at best. I've also heard individuals further go on to describe sheep not only as the dumbest individuals, uh, sorry, uh, said individuals, uh, <laughs> no pun intended. But I've also heard people describe sheep as not only the dumbest creatures that God ever created, but also the most stupid of animals ever made. They are so dumb that some people describe that they would eat and walk over a cliff for lack of raising their head up. They would graze and they would move and they would fall into a ditch had it not been for the wisdom and the protection of the shepherd. Yet while this might be true, as you think about the way we often describe sheep, and I'll talk about that in just a little bit, but, but while those descriptors may have some level of truth to it, those statements do not reflect the true nature of such an animal, for God even calls us his sheep. And though at times we, we may do dumb things, and though at times we may act in dumb ways, it doesn't necessarily mean that we are dumb. 
Though at times we might do stupid things or say stupid things, it doesn't necessarily mean that you and I, your human beings, are stupid. So, so really, when we think about those descriptors, they are limited at best to some character defects and flaws in the sheep, and they are limited at best to some of the character defects and flaws of us as human being. Notice this about sheep, if you will. Sheep, by nature, are not necessarily aggressive animals. Though, even though they aren't aggressive by nature, sheep could hurt you. If you know anything about sheep, not every sheep is about this high. Some sheep grow really big. And being a wild animal as soft-natured as they are depicted to be, I'm telling you, a kick from one of their, their hind legs could injure a child or could injure a woman or could injure the shepherd himself. So even though sheep are not aggressive by nature, they can still hurt you and hurt themselves. Sheep are not easily equipped. And, and maybe this is why as, as the rest of creation looks at sheep, they, they see sheep as dumb. They see sheep as helpless. They, they see sheep as weak. And, and so sheep are not readily or easily equipped even to defend themselves. Though they do have some form as minuscule as it might be, they do have some form of defensive mechanism. You think about the wolf, and the wolf has claws, the, the wolf has fangs. You think about the predators in, in creation, and they, they are equipped to, to hunt, they are equipped to kill, and they are equipped to eat and to rip apart meat. Sheep doesn't have the necessary tools that we might think, the conventional equipment in their body to protect themselves, but they do have a defensive mechanism. What do you mean, Brother Morgan? Well, there are instances when, when a shepherd is not around. There are instances if sheep feel threatened enough, they will run so far a distance and the older, bigger sheep, the, the ones who could be a little bit more intimidating to the wolf or to the predator, what they would do is that while they might be running in one, in one direction, the older sheep would slow down just enough so the young the sheep, the lambs, and the older sheep would, would run ahead of them, and the, 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 the bigger, stronger sheep would stand their ground, and they would turn around, and they would act as a wall of defense against the predators. I, I need for you to see this. Daniel, won't you mind just standing here for, for just a little bit? This is not even my sermon. This is just the introduction, but, but won't you mind? Tim, won't you mind just standing for bit. Brother, won't you mind just standing for, I'm, I'm not just calling people because they, 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 they have a certain level of size, but I want you to see this. Won't you mind just coming here? And so what the sheep would do, the bigger sheep, Tim, Tim you're big, bro. I need for us to see how sheep operate because though we might class them as dumb and though we might class them as stupid and though we might class them as defenseless and helpless, that's not necessarily the case. So the bigger sheep, the, what they would do, they would allow the young sheep to make their way through. And then when they make their way through, what they would do is the big sheep would turn around. And they would stand their ground. 
So the weak sheep would be behind, the young sheep would be behind, and, and the bigger sheep would act as a wall of defense. And, and so they don't have fangs now. They, they don't have claws now, but they would stand in defense. You guys seeing this? They would stand in defense against the predators, all because they understand that there is strength and there is unity in numbers. Whenever the sheep didn't have this mechanism, they would have an individual called the shepherd. And the shepherd, they would trust the shepherd so much that when they couldn't, couldn't, couldn't fend off the, 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 the predator, the shepherd would, would come in and the shepherd would have his rod and his staff. The shepherd would have his sling. The shepherd would have his spear. The shepherd would have his sword. The shepherd, when the sheep couldn't do it for themselves, the shepherd would step in and the shepherd would act as their line of defense. Let me get to this sermon. Let me get to this sermon before, before, we, before we get out of hand. So, so the, sheep, the sheep are not readily equipped to defend themselves, but they do have some type of defensive mechanism. Sheep are easily startled. Sheep are dependent on the shepherd and fully dependent at that. Sheep are used in scripture and in antiquity to represent innocence. Sheep are used in scripture and antiquity to represent purity. Sheep is used in antiquity and scripture to represent gentleness. Sheep is used in scripture and antiquity to represent meekness. Sheep is used in scripture and in antiquity to represent sacrifice. So when I think about sheep, don't see sheep anymore as being dumb and stupid animals. See sheep as being dependent on their shepherd. And so as I think about this particular psalm, this beloved psalm of David is, is well known among Christians and people in the world. Many people could recite this from different versions, but the average person is able to recite this from the good old King James version. That's the holy word of God, if you didn't know. If you aren't speaking in thou's and whithersoever's and hitherto's, then you don't know this Holy Spirit just yet. <laughs> and so this much beloved psalm allows us into a glimpse. It just gives us a glimpse into the unique relationship that existed between a shepherd and his sheep and ought to exist between us and our Savior. Sheep are needy creatures, but they form a special bond with their shepherd. He knows them intimately. He knows the ones that are prone to wander. He knows the weak sheep. He knows the loyal sheep. He even knows every single one of them by name. The sheep knows his voice. And they know the shepherd's scent. They know, they know, they know the sound of his voice. So in our text on today, I want to share with us some things that is pretty evident, but sometimes we need a, a quick reminder as we see David impart his heart with regard to this relationship that exists between him 
and his Lord, him and Jehovah, him and Yahweh. Notice in the text as David uh, 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 highlights the relationship, he, he does not say that the Lord is a shepherd, even though the Lord is in fact a shepherd, nor does he say the Lord is our shepherd, though in fact the Lord is our shepherd. No, 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 no. Notice in our text, David starts off using a personal pronoun, my, to indicate the relationship that exists between him as a sheep and Christ, or God, as the shepherd. So he says, while I know he is a shepherd, being a shepherd is not an indicator of a relationship that I have with him. While I know he is our shepherd, that's general, but having a general understanding of the relationship and who God is, is not a true indicator of my relationship with the shepherd. So he says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd. Notice the personal pronouns. He would say, he maketh me to lie down. He leads me Beside, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He would say, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Check this, for he is with me. So as David is pouring his heart and he's showing his confidence in this text, I want us to take note that while, yes, God is, is a savior to the world, there must come a point where you and I have a personal relationship with God. He might be the God of your grandparents, but you have to have a personal relationship with him. He might be the God of your parents, but you have to have a personal relationship with him. He might be the God of your boyfriend or your significant other, but you have to have a relationship with him. It's my Lord is my shepherd. So as we think about this, I want us to see this really quickly. This represents a personship. It's not enough to allow the relationship that our parents have, our friends have, our spouses have to be the driving force in this. You and I need to have a personal relationship with our Lord. It's him and me. It's me and him. It's him and me. It's me and him. It's me and him, and it's him and me. That helps me to understand that when things are going bad in the world, it's, it's really not about what the world does and what the world says, but I have my relationship with my God. When church hurt becomes part of the equation, it's not about church folks, it's about the relationship that I have with my God. I don't leave God because of people, because my relationship was always between me and him, him and me. So as David highlights this reality, he wants us to know that there must be a personal relationship that exists between us as sheep and the Lord as the shepherd. Take note of this, church. If, if you are taking notes, this, this personal relationship, this him and me, this me and him 
type of relationship positions the individual, it positions me, and it positions you to be the recipient of the shepherd's choicest of blessings. And it grants us full access to all that the shepherd has and all that he offers. To put it a different way, when when we have this close personal relationship with the shepherd, when it's a relationship that's existing between us and him and him and us, everything that we see is not secondhand. What do you mean by that, preacher? It means that every blessing I receive is from the Lord himself. It's a, it's a direct revelation. It's a direct receive. And I don't have to be blessed because I'm hanging out with somebody who is in turn blessed. I'm not just a recipient of the overflow of somebody else's blessing, but I am blessed because I have a connection with my Lord and Savior. Let me see if I can illustrate that. There, there are times, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but have you ever received a job or, or, or something of that sort based, based on the fact that you know somebody else? Uh, and so there, there are times when you probably go for a job, or maybe you weren't even looking for a job, but because you are so-and-so's son or so-and-so's brother or so-and-so affiliate or you go to church with so-and-so, they know you because of the other person's association with them. And so they, 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 they make that association with you and they give, they give you a job or they bless you some way. That's when your blessing comes as a result of an overflow of somebody else's relationship. But what I'm talking about here is being the recipient of the blessings and having access to everything that the shepherd has from a first-hand basis. So your peace doesn't come from somebody else's faith. Your peace comes from your own faith. Your confidence doesn't come because somebody else seems confident and they're walking strong in this moment. No, you're confident because of your faith in, in your Lord and and your God. And I think too many times what happens is that we lean on other individuals. So if the husband becomes shaky, the wife becomes shaky. If, if the parents become shaky, the, the children become shaky. If, if the preacher becomes shaky, then the members become shaky. Too many times we, 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 we live our lives as Christians on somebody else's faith. And I think David is trying to help us to understand that this be a personal relationship that ought to exist between us and the shepherd. Consider this church as we, we hasten to the conclusion of this brief exhortation. Notice, notice, notice this as we canvas through the, the annals of this text. And in verse number one, it would say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. David is showing that that's a point towards contentment. In verse number two, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. That's God's nourishment. He, he leads me beside the still waters. That's rest and security. He restores my soul. Verse number three, that's realignment from time to time. Have you ever felt unsettled in your life? Have you ever felt out of whack, I guess is the terminology that we would use, or have you ever felt out of balance? And, and, and so he says, he restores my soul. He brings you back to a place of alignment, brings you back to a place of redemption in him. It's the Lord who does that. Nobody else could restore your soul. 
I know sometimes, I know sometimes we find solace in things and we find solace in people, but if you put your trust and your confidence in things, if, if having a job is what gives you confidence and gives you peace, then guess what happens when you don't have the job anymore? If having a certain amount of money in the bank is what gives you peace of mind, then guess what happens when you get that notification from Bank of America that your bank limit is underneath $100 in the bank account? If your trust is in, is in somebody else, a, a husband or a wife, and when that person is no longer with you, I'm telling you, if your trust and your love and your peace is in that person, then when that person steps out of your life, for whatever the reason is, then your faith and your peace is shaken. But he says, guess what? When your peace and your confidence is in the Lord, he is able to restore and realign your souls. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. That's his governance and that's his guidance. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will, I will not fear any evil. Why? Because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they are comfort to me. That is all because of the protection and the presence of the shepherd. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. <laughs> you ever hear the statement, no weapon formed against you shall prosper? You, you know what it means for the Lord to prepare a table for you in the presence of your enemies? That's a bold blessing that no one can take away from you. That's, that's, that's God blessing you in the midst, in the very presence of your haters. That's in spite of somebody praying evil against you and your family and wanting to do bad to you. God still lifts you up in the midst of all of that chaos. He says he, 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 he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He says your, your, he anoints my head with oil. That's sanctification, and, and that's his tender care. Let me stop right there for a minute before I move on. I, I, I need for us to see this because sometimes we would miss this if, if we didn't know it before. Uh, a lot of the times when you look at the Old Testament, the idea of pouring the oil on the head was, 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 was something that was often used when it came to, to priests or to kings. It was a means of sanctifying or setting apart an individual for a particular use. And so when it was time to anoint the priest, uh, somebody would come and they would anoint the priest. Usually a prophet would come and he would, he would anoint the priest. And that meant that this person was sanctified for a particular use. When it was time to appoint a king, here comes the prophet again. And the prophet would, would, would take oil and he would anoint the king. And, and this was an indication that this person is set apart for a particular use. And so we are set apart as God's people for a particular use. But also, here's what I want us to see. There are times, because sheep don't have the ability to help themselves a lot of times, there are times in the year when sheep will encounter parasite, a specific parasite at that. And this parasite would, would crawl through the, the, the nostril cavity and, and, and attach its way to the brain of the sheep. 
And the only way that the sheep knows or attempts to try and get that parasite out is by finding a rock and beating its head against it. And if you could imagine what would happen if you were to beat your head against a rock with a certain level of force for a particular period of time, it becomes bloody. It becomes a sight. It becomes a scene. But the sheep does that because it's trying to dislodge something that's on the inside that it can't reach or pluck out for itself. Don't miss the illustration. Don't miss the application because sometimes as we attempt to remove things from our lives that we have no means of really doing on our own, we just beat our heads against some rocks from time to time. Anybody ever beat their, their heads against a relationship rock? Anybody? You ever beat your head against a boyfriend rock or a girlfriend rock? Let's go a little bit more intense, a husband rock or a wife rock. We, we beat our heads against rocks trying to dislodge things that we don't have the capacity to deal with, but we're trying our best. And in the process, we just make a mess of our very own lives. But the shepherd comes in. This is why I love what Lance said this morning. The shepherd comes in as, as bloody as the sheep is, as, as nasty and as smelly as the sheep is, as, as putrid as the sheep is in this moment. The shepherd comes in and with the care of a father to a newborn baby, he bends himself down and he puts the sheep head on top of his lap. And he takes the oil and he calms the sheep first and foremost. And he might say things. And of course, they're speaking in a totally different language, but I'm going to try and translate the scene for you. He, he might be saying things like, shh, you don't worry about it. I, I have it. You, shh. I know it hurts, but it's, it's going to heal. Shh. You don't worry about it. It's bloody, but that's okay. I, I, I can deal with it. Shh. Settle yourself, settle yourself. I'm here to help. And, and, and the shepherd might be using words of comfort and words of affirmation. All the while he is positioning the sheep to help the sheep and to pour the oil on top of the wound. And as he pours the oil on top of the wound, he would help to cleanse the area. And by chance, many a times what would happen is he would see the parasite because the sheep would have done enough to dislodge this parasite to where you would just see the tail end or, or, or some part of the parasite just protruding up inside the nostril of the sheep. And so now the sheep has done its part and the shepherd comes and he does his. You guys with me this morning? As much as the Lord is our shepherd and he's there to protect and he's there to guide and he's there to heal and he's there to take care, there are things that you and I, we need to do our part in taking care of our problems as well. So in that moment, he reaches in. They, they didn't have the fancy tools that a lot of veterinarians have today, but he would use his hands. And with blood and oil on his fingers, he would reach into the nostril of the sheep. 
and drag out the parasite. He anoints my head with oil. Anybody ever get a spiritual busted head before? Anybody ever had an emotional parasite before? Anybody ever had a mental breakdown or been in mental distress before? I know we all had a spiritual, uh, spiritual uh, parasite. It's, it's called sin. And I'm, I'm trying to help us to understand that in as much as we try to deal with things on our own, here comes the shepherd because we have a shepherd. And when we can't deal with things on our own, he comes in and he takes care of us. But that's a personal relationship. Because there are things, church, if you didn't know, there are things in this spiritual journey that your husband can't do for you. I know, I know, I know. Well, uh, that's supposed to be the epitome of, of our relationship. My husband is supposed to love me, and I'm supposed to love him. We're, we're supposed to be confident, and we're supposed to share life together. But let me, let me, let me, let me be open and as, as blatantly honest as I possibly can. Even in the best of relationships, in the best of marriages, in the best of family lives, there are things that a husband cannot do for his wife. And there are things that a wife cannot do for her husband. Kids, if you didn't know, there are things that parents cannot do for you. And parents, there are things that kids can't do for you either. There are things that brethren can't do for each other. But that's where God comes in. So he says, the Lord, the Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then in verse number six, he says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's his promise. So church, as I conclude, I just want to leave two things with you. And I pray that this exhortation is yours. Number one, without God, say without God. We have, we have nothing. Let that sink in for a while. Without God, we have nothing. Preacher, what do you mean? You might have a spouse or a significant other, but if you don't have God, you really have nothing. You might have a, a nice house to call a home, but the truth is, if you don't have God, you really don't have anything. You, you might have money, all the money that you need and want, but the truth is, church, if, if you and I don't have God, the truth is, we have absolutely nothing. And so David is mindful of the fact that without God, if he does not have God in as much, and we don't know when David would have penned this particular psalm, but let's just assume that he penned this psalm, this particular psalm, when he was king. He understands that I might have a throne, but if I don't have God, I have nothing. He understands that I have a family, but if I don't have God, I have nothing. He understood that I have status, status and power, but if I don't have God... I really don't have anything. So that's one thing I want us to notice in this text. Uh, without God, without God, we have nothing. And number two, as I leave this with you, repeat after me. With God. With God. With God. With God. With 
I have everything. You get that? With God, he says, I have everything that I could ever need or desire. Notice this as we stand. I want to ask you to stand. JDK, get ready. I'm, I'm just going to do this really quickly. David, in the psalm, he highlights some things in this relationship between him and his Lord, him and his shepherd that indicates a true intimacy that he would have had in the relationship with the shepherd. And I know that that's true because David, as he describes this relationship and he describes this confidence in this God, what he does here, and we may not necessarily see it, is he calls upon the several names of God in Scripture as he shares his confidence and offers his praise. So, so notice in, in the text, here is what he does. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. That's, that's by virtue of name of God. That's Jehovah Ra. That's the Lord, my shepherd. I shall not want. That's Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. That Jehovah Shalom, the Lord who is my peace. He restores my soul. That's Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is my healer. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. That's Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord who is my righteousness. Thou art with me. That's Jehovah Shammah, the Lord is always there. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. That's Jehovah Nisi, God who is my banner. Thou anointest my head with oil. That's Jehovah in Kadesh, the Lord who is my sanctifier. And I will dwell in the house of God forever. That's Jehovah El Elyon. The Lord who is forever. So I need for us to see if you didn't see it before. That the same way that David had a personal relationship with his Lord and with his shepherd. is the same way that you and I need to have that same relationship with our Lord and our shepherd. He is a protector but he needs to be your protector. He is a provider, but you need to see him as your provider. He is a healer, but you need to see him as your healer. You need to have a personal, intimate relationship with God to where you could call him by name. But sometimes we're, we're so despondent in our relationships that we don't even know how to call God in the situations that we are going through. When you have a personal relationship with the shepherd, you know how to call on him in your times of trouble. You know how to refer to him in your times of need. You're not afraid to praise him because you have a personal relationship. He knows you intimately and you know him as well. If you don't mind, repeat after me. The Lord is. 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 My shepherd.